0: All right, good, morning. Good, morning, good morning well it 's a blessing to be here. I know you guys have had a lot of people kind of coming in and out and that can be tough, but we appreciate you guys being so accommodating and stuff and it 's just a real blessing to get an opportunity to do something for the Lord you know to come and to preach and teach and so none of us deserve that opportunity right but uh the Lord allows us to do it, and so i 'm thankful to be able to do it and so this morning, I was kind of going back and forth between a couple of things on what I was going to teach about this morning but uh I settled on fear, and so I feel like that's the Lord wants me to teach about is fear. I think that fear is probably the number one thing that holds a man back from serving the Lord. You know what I mean? A man's afraid to witness because of fear. You're afraid of what somebody's going to say. You're afraid to go out and you know preach on the street or go out pass out tracks because of fear. A man's afraid to preach because of fear. There's a lot of different things that hold a man back, but fear is one of the biggest ones, in my opinion. And in my life, that's been Like the biggest thing, Um, you know, just a little bit about me, I guess quickly is, you know, I had a lot of trouble with fear, anxiety, trouble like that to the point to where I wouldn't leave my house at one point. Um, It was really bad. It was really crippling. And, you know, it can really mess your whole life up. You know, the devil can just bind you in fear and he will. He absolutely will. And so I think it's important to talk about it, you know, to teach about it, to preach about it. It's not something to be ashamed of, right? Your flesh naturally has some fear, but there's, there's right fears and there's wrong fears, right? You know, uh, turn to Job chapter 41 verse 33. We'll look at that first, but you know, Job chapter 41 verse 33 there is talking about how there's only one individual that's ever been made without fear, right? So he's talking about Satan here, right? Leviathan. The only one that's ever been made without fear is the devil, is Satan. Every man has fear. Somebody, everybody in this room is afraid of something, right? Whether it's heights, whether it's a fear of drowning, a fear of burning to death, a fear of public speaking, whatever it is. Somebody's afraid of something. And so that's something that we gotta realize and that we gotta think about. The definition to fear is to feel anxiety on account of some expected evil. And that's that's the truth, right? You think you get to thinking about something, and you get to dwelling on something, and then you start to get afraid of it. And the longer you let that thought run, the longer you let it go, the deeper it gets, and the deeper it gets. And it gets rooted way down deep inside. You see, the key is is when you start to have a thought, like the Bible says, right, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you start to have a thought, a fearful thought, you've got to get rid of it you got to cast it down immediately, because once you start to have a thought, it's what you do with that thought determines whether it's going to be a sinful thing or not. Right? You're going to have thoughts. That's part of the flesh. But as soon as you have it, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to entertain it? And as soon as you start to entertain it and you start to think about it, and like, oh, man, what if I get up there to preach and I throw up or I pass out or I do something? You start thinking about that kind of stuff. Next thing you know, you're so scared that you're going to talk yourself out of doing it. And you're going to miss an opportunity to do something for the Lord. And that's not how the Lord wants us to be, right? He designed us to have peace, right? He designed us to have liberty. He wants us to have liberty. He says that you have liberty in Christ Jesus. He wants us to do something for Him. He doesn't want us to be bound up and held back. And so a man can almost say, you know, the fear of anything but God is sin. But there's a couple of different things here. Uh, look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. We're going to be doing some flipping around here this morning, so... Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3 says, You shall fear every man, his mother, and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So you're supposed to fear your parents if you're a kid, if you're a child, right? You're supposed to fear your parents. In the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, it says that a servant is supposed to fear their masters. But if you notice, those two things are both examples of our relationship to the Lord, right? The Lord's our Father, and we ought to have a healthy fear of the Lord, right? And we ought to be thinking about serving the Lord, and we ought to have a healthy fear of the Lord in service as well. And so... You know, a lot of people view the Lord, and this is how I was raised. You know, I was raised like, you know, God's got a big white beard on the throne with a big stick ready to beat me to death with it for every single thing I do, every mistake I make, right? The Lord's not going to beat you to death for trying to do something for him and messing it up. He's not. But you know what is going to be a problem is when you let fear hold you back. Now, the thing about about fear is, is that there's a lot of different types of fear, right? And fear's a corrupt thing. You know, when you fear something, you're starting to give reverence to it. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about either. And when you start to give reverence to something that turns into an idol over time, right? You think about something and you're, you're so afraid of something that it's holding you back from serving God. Then you're putting that above God, right? You're putting that before God. And when a man starts to do that, that's what you're worshiping. You're worshiping whatever you're putting up here while God's down here. And that's something you really got to be careful of, you know, and you see it all throughout the Bible. And if it's keeping you from serving the Lord, then you got to think about it like this. What's stronger than the Lord? What's more terrifying, right? What is, what is more, what being is more capable than the Lord? Is that thing that you fear any of those things? No, God's all powerful, right? He tells us that we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us, right? So we don't have to be afraid. Right. He says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right. He tells us to fear thou not. Constantly telling us not to be afraid. Constantly telling us not to be afraid. You know, back when Joshua was trying to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, what stopped him from going in? Fear. Well, there's giants in the land. We've seen them. They're huge. We can't. No, we can't do that. We can't deal with them. There's no way. See, they're cutting God short. And that's something that we all do. We all cut God short. You know, people, so many men say, oh, yeah, I'm called to preach, but I can't get in a pulpit and preach because I'm too afraid to. Well, it's not about you. It's about the Lord. If the Lord doesn't get involved with what's happening behind this pulpit, then nothing's going gonna, nothing's to gonna happen. N- nothing's going to come forth that's going to help anybody. It's not about me. It's not about anyone else. It's about the Lord. It's about what he's doing. And you have to let him work. You can't constantly shorten the Lord's arm. And that's exactly what men do. They constantly shorten it. Well, I didn't plan that out right, and what if this happens? Quit worrying about it. Quit fretting about it. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to be worrying. He doesn't want us to be fretting. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it, right? Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. People say, well, fear and anxiety are two different things. No, they're not. They're exactly the same thing. That's coming from somebody that's dealt with massive anxiety. I've been on all kinds of different anxiety medications, all sorts of different stuff. I've been through a lot of different stuff before I was saved, after I was saved. And I'm telling you right now that fear and anxiety are the exact same thing. And they both can be controlled. But it's just about not letting them get rooted so deep. And once they do get rooted way deep down in there, that fear settles in there. It's extremely hard to get rid of. Right? It's very, very hard to get rid of. You see, you know, the Bible says that safety is of the Lord. Right? But for some reason, we get this idea that safety is us, right? It's in your husband. It's in your wife. It's, it's you, right? It's whatever makes you feel comfortable. Well, if it's not the Lord that makes you feel comfortable, then you got something wrong, right? Something's wrong in here in your heart. You're not doing what you should be doing. You're not serving the Lord right. You're not thinking of things right. We always think of everything backwards. All we got to do is trust the, trust the Lord, have faith and let him lead and go. That's it. The Lord will take care of it. He'll take care of it 100%. You know what the hardest thing to do is? The hardest thing is just to let go of the reins sometimes and just surrender. Just say, you know what, Lord? I'll do whatever you want me to do and mean it. And once you can take that step, I know in my life, once I could take that step and I surrendered myself to the Lord, it was like a whole different playing, playing field. It's a whole different game. Like all those fears and anxieties, they started to subside. And I started to see things for what they are. And realize that I don't have to be bound like that, right? You don't have to be in bondage, right? So fear can also be a carnal thing. Turn to Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. Verse seven. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You see, if God didn't give it to us, then it's got to be of the world, the flesh, or the devil. Right. One of those things. It says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Now, Lord's not talking about natural fears there. Right. Like the fear of heights is for your own good. Right. You know, we we know in our mind that it's if we fall, we're you'll die. Right. If you jump off of something or, you know, a fear of touching the oven. Right. Things like that is a natural thing that's within your flesh. But what he's talking about there when he says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear is it's a spirit that's overtaking everything else. Right. You have that spirit of fear that's just inside and it's and it's just. Causing you to make mistakes, causing you to do things that you shouldn't do, right? Causing you to sin, right, ultimately. And that's what you got to think about, is that fear creates fleshly lust. And that's exactly what it does, right? Because, so let's say, you know, you're doing something at work, and you make a mistake, and you don't want your boss to know about it, and he asks you about it. You have an opportunity to lie, or you have an opportunity to tell him the truth. And a lot of times, out of fear, a man will lie. He'll say, no, I didn't do that, no. You see, you know, Jacob and Abraham make the same mistake when they go in there, To they go in and they think, you know, all the people the land there are looking at Sarah and they're like, man, she's a fair woman and all that different stuff. And Abraham says, <laughs> she's my sister. You know, yeah, go ahead and take her. She's my sister. Why? Because he's afraid they'll kill him. That's the truth. You see it time and time again. Uh, look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. Here's a real good example of it. 1 Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15, I'll start in verse 1 here. It said, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he had laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in, in Telom, two hundred thousand footmen and ten thousand men of Judah. <clears throat> now let's look at uh, fifteen, verse nine. It says, "But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep and of the oxen, and of the fatlings of the lambs and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile, and refuse." that they destroyed utterly. So he didn't do what the Lord told him to do, right? The Lord told him to destroy them all, and he didn't. Saul decides to spare <clears throat> some people. So let's look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You know, the fear of man's a big one. That's a huge thing. The fear of each other, right? You got people that the Lord's given them a, a gift to be able to sing, right? And they won't get up in church and do special music. Why? Because of fear. They're too afraid to. You got to think about it. Fear just constantly holds a man back, constantly. And so, I guess the question is now is, you know, what do you do about it, right? What do you, what do you do about it? You fight it. That's what you do about it, right? When you know, when you you're in a situation at work where you have an opportunity to speak up for Christ, but you don't because you're afraid that you won't get your promotion or you're afraid that you get fired or whatever, you gotta put that stuff down. Right? You gotta realize that God is the one that provides, right? I think about that with my job all the time. You know what? If I lost my job today, Lord will provide. I'm not worried about it. I'm there doing the best I can. I'm serving him, I'm praying about it, I'm being a witness, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And if I get fired for that, then so be it. You can't be worried about all that kind of stuff. Sit there, fretting every move you make. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got to learn to just fear God and not fear men. Just fear God. As long as you're doing right in God's eyes, then don't worry about stuff. Quit, quit sitting around thinking, what am I going to do? You know about tomorrow. The Lord tells us not to even worry about tomorrow. So just think about today. What are you going to do today? You're not even promised tomorrow. I can make all the plans I want, right? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan for some things. But I can make all the plans I want. But really, I could drop dead behind this pulpit today. And what difference would it make, right? You have people that have a huge fear of dying. Christians, a huge phobia of dying. And I I don't understand that one, right? I used to when I was lost because I was like, wondered what was going to happen, right? What's going to happen to me when I die? I don't know. I was scared to death. But now as a Christian saved, I don't worry about it, right? To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, well, you say you have four kids and a wife. Yeah, I do. And if I drop dead right now, the Lord will take care of them. I'm not worried about it. Not even a little bit. Right? I'll be better off, right? That's what Paul says, right? He says that it's far better. That's the truth. To be with the Lord is far better than to be here. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. And so once you can get a hold of that, and you can start thinking about it like this. I don't have anything that I need to be afraid of. Besides God, I'm going to do what I can for God, even at the expense of my own life. And I am not going to worry about it. That's a man that can get something done for the Lord, right? That's a man with some power. We're just held back all the time by the world. The world's constantly pushing stuff on us all the time. You have to talk this way. You have to act this way. You have to accept this. You have to know I don't. I don't have to talk a certain way. I don't have to accept anything for that matter. If it goes against the Bible, if it goes against the word of God, then I'm not going to accept it. And it's okay to be that way. You're not being unloving or uncaring or any of that stuff, right? I care about people. I witness to them. I talk to them. I want to see their, I want to see their soul go to heaven. I don't want to see people dropping into hell. You know, to be completely honest, I'm not worried about all, you know, this different, different stuff with, you know, pronouns and whatever else. I'm not worried about all that stuff. And I'm not going to start worrying about it. You know, and in, in our workplace, that's a big thing, right? Certain people want to be called they or them or different things like, I'm not going to do that. You're a single person, singular. I'm going to call you him or her because that's what you are. And if you don't like it, then that's too bad. And like I said, if I get fired for it, then so be it. But it's not biblical. It's confusion. It's confusion. I'm not going to let all of my little kids see me give into that kind of thing. It's not going to happen. And you know, what? another thing for you to realize too, and I don't want to preach too much I'm trying to teach, but another thing that we got to realize is for our kids' sake, is that fear's contagious. It's a contagious thing, right? And you can you watch them. You watch them. And I've watched this with my oldest one, my 11-year-old. I watched it with her because before I was saved, I was a mess. I mean, a fretting, worried mess. In and out of the ER, different stuff for nothing, for no reason. Just because I was a hypochondriac and worried and stressed and anxious and all this different stuff. And you know what? They pick up on that stuff. They see it. They see it. Oh, dad's worried about it. Dad's afraid of it. Then I ought to be afraid of it, too. I mean, he's the one I'm looking up to and he's scared to death. Imagine if the Lord was scared to death. You're looking up to him all the time and he's wishy-washy back and forth. You have no foundation. You'd be the same way. It's the same with your children. You got to realize that they will pick it up and it's not a good thing. It's a contagious thing. But you know what they'll pick up too? They'll pick up seeing this. Something's going wrong. You're stressed about doing something. You're anxious about something and you get down and pray about it. They'll pick that up too. They'll say, you know what? When dad was worried, he prayed about it. He went to the Lord. He didn't go to himself. He didn't worry about it. He didn't stress about it. He just prayed about it. He just trusted God with it. And so that's what I'm going to do too. And that's the example that I want my kids to see, right? I want to see an example that somebody that's going to stand on the Bible, somebody that cares about it, that has a heart for it. And so on the lines of it being contagious, you know, it's kind of like looking like, you know, a soldier. If you have a soldier on the front lines and he's running into battle and everybody's running into battle and then people start turning around and running the other way, people are going to follow They're 100% gonna follow. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 8. And it's like this too, you know, in our Christian life, and I'll compare it to that in a minute, but let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 8. And, uh, it's it's interesting here, and this is, I like this verse. And it says, And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, what man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren heart faint as well as his heart. Right? It's contagious. As soon as one heart starts to faint, the other ones do. And I mean, that's the truth, right? One time we were down in Alabama there and uh, there was this big block party. I mean, no joke, This huge block party and there's cars everywhere. Their doors are open and we were going to pass out tracks. That's what we were doing is we were passing out tracks at the football game and they opened up these huge gates. And I remember we went over there and, you know, we're down in Alabama and we look in there and there's, I mean, I don't mean this to be in a bad way at all. There's no white people in there whatsoever. Right. And so my buddy's like, man, I don't know. We should go in there. You know, I don't know. It's safe. You know, and we're talking back and forth and we were like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Let's do it. And then one guy was like, I'm not, I'll see all I'll see y'all in glory. I ain't going in there. I'm scared to death. I ain't going to go in there and pass out tracks. And you know what that causes? It causes others to say they do the same thing. Like, hey, I'm not, and you know what? We went in there and we passed out tracks and it was a great time. We had great conversations. Everything was, everybody was super kind and we got a bunch of tracks out and it was a real blessing. But you know what? Those that turned around and tucked tail and went the other way, they didn't get that. And so, you know, you think about things like, you know, the, the world, the news is constantly spreading fear. Constantly, right? COVID comes out and everybody's like, what in the world are we going to do if we get it? Well, I don't know. You might die. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. And everybody's worried about it. And they've shown people on the news on ventilators, young and old and all this different stuff. And everybody's just so concerned and so wrapped up in it that, I mean, they won't, they won't leave their houses. They're all stuck in. They don't, nobody, you know, churches are closing down and everything else over what? Over a sickness, right? But it's Christians forget that God is where their safety is. Distrust them. I got COVID like right out of the gate. I was down in Florida. It was like the worst down there. I got it like right out of the gate. And for a minute, I caught myself thinking about it like, oh, my word. Like, what do I mean? I don't want to die like that. You know, like I'm so concerned about dying, but not like that. I started thinking about it and I thought, what are you thinking about? What are you doing that for? Distrust God. if it's If that's what he wants for you, then so be it. And move on. And, you know, that's something that we got to get a hold of. You know, everybody, in my opinion these days, they're just too... They, just, they take everything so lightheartedly, right? And people are just too sensitive. Just way too sensitive. They're so sensitive you can't even function. And, you know, and I'm not saying that COVID wasn't a sad thing. A lot of people did get sick and a lot of people did die and it was a serious thing. But even when something serious comes around the turnpike, you can't let your whole life fall apart because of it, right? And so... You got to trust God. You got to trust Him. And my next thing here is that fear can be crucifying. Uh, turn to First John chapter four, verse eighteen. First <clears throat> John chapter four, verse eighteen. Alright, 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And you see, that's the key. That's the key. The key to getting over fear, anxiety, all that stuff is loving the Lord like you should love him. If you love Jesus Christ like you ought to love him, you ain't gonna be afraid. You're gonna be trusting him. You're going to be abiding in him. You're going to be putting all your eggs in one basket and you should, you should trust him. You know, that's one of the biggest things, even amongst Christians, is Christians just don't have faith. And that's a horrible thing, right? You can trust God with your soul, but you can't trust him with day to day living. I mean, it's your soul that you're trusting him with an eternal thing, right? That's eternal. Your soul's going to heaven or hell. Somebody comes, they presents the gospel to you. You're like, man, I don't want to go to hell. And out of fear, a lot of times, right? A man says, I don't want to do that. I'm going to take the way out. And you should. That's a good thing. It's a good fear right there. Take the way out. And you trusted him there. And I remind myself of that all the time. Like, listen, you trusted him with your soul. You can trust him with your this body, with your day-to-day life. Why can't you? And that's the thing is just having faith, trusting him. That's the big thing that we'd forget about is faith. See, If you're consumed with fear, it simply comes down to you don't love him like you should. You're not trusting him like you should. If you're not serving him, it comes down to the fact that you don't love him like you should. Right? It all comes down to the same thing. Love. 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 People don't love the Lord like they should and it holds them back. And I'm repeating myself on purpose because I want people to think about it. You know, Satan gets the best of you sometimes in fear. And as as it binds you down and as it binds you down, he's getting the victory. He's winning, right? There's souls out there that are going to go to hell because somebody would not open their mouth. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And, you know, I've been guilty of that myself. I've been intimidated before. I've been like, oh, man, should I, should I not? You know, uh, one time we were in Texas and there was this, this this gentleman and he was all covered in tattoos and he was big. I mean, you could tell he was very, you know, like a bodybuilder type of guy. And he's sitting there at McDonald's and he's sitting there and he's got his head down and he looks like he's upset about something. And I'm standing there in the line. And the Lord's like, hey, why don't you talk to that guy? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, uh-uh. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to talk to him. And I'm like, no. I what if he, like, makes a scene in here? He's way bigger than me. Like, no, I ain't, I ain't doing that. Lord's like, yeah, I'm telling you to talk to him, so do it. And I was like, all right, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll talk to him. So I go over there and I sit down by him. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he says, not 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 very good. I said, "What's wrong?" And he said, well, I went to prison because I was addicted to heroin. And uh, he said, I got over that. But while I was in there, my dad died. And he said, I just can't get over it. I didn't get to go to his funeral. I didn't get to see him. I was just a disappointment to him. You know, I don't don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, well, that's a terrible thing. You know, I said, I don't know what it's like to lose your father. But what I do know is, you know, I, I know a Savior that can help you, that can comfort you. Have you ever heard of Jesus Christ before? And he says, not really. And I was like, not really. We're in Texas, right? (laughs) You know, like, no, not really. I was like, okay, well, would you like to know about him? He's like, sure. And so I open up the Bible and we start going through there and I start showing him some verses here and there and we start talking. And next thing I know, he kneels down in the middle of McDonald's and accepts as Jesus Christ, the savior. But what if I would have, what if I would have gave into the fear and walked away? Would he have got another chance? I hope so. But I don't know that, right? The Lord doesn't, it's not about you. It's about the Lord wants to use you. He set it up that way. He wants to use us to open our mouths to get other people saved, and you get rewards for that thing. It's a, the, all the way around. It's a blessing, but you let yourself get held back by something so small. You know, and I say that, and people with anxiety issues, especially in the height of it, are going to say, "Well, it's not small." And you're right, it's not small. You get anxious. It starts presenting some real symptoms. I mean, some bad ones. I mean, for a while, I was so anxious that like all my muscles in my face would twitch all the time and in my chest and, you know, in my arms and stuff. And I would be super dizzy all the time. My stomach was messed up all the time. And I was like, I'm dying. There's something wrong with me. I know there is. Like, this is the craziest thing. My ears would ring and different stuff. And you know what it was? It was this anxiety. Your body can only handle being at that heightened state in that fight or flight state for so long before it starts manifesting different symptoms. It's not going to kill you. It's just going to make you feel bad right. all the time. And that's what, that's what happens to people, right? Is they start to fight the anxiety and they start to push against fear and then their body starts to react like that. And then they just, they just give into it again so they can have peace in the flesh. And that's not where you want peace. You want peace of the Lord. You don't want peace with your flesh. I'm not worried about what this flesh wants. I'm really not like I've already got to shave and brush my teeth and stuff. That's, that's enough crimping this thing for me. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to lay this thing down at some point. You know what I mean? This thing is, it's not, this thing's not going to heaven with me. So I ain't worried about it. I mean, I'm worried about keeping it healthy to serve the Lord while I'm here, right? To the best of my ability. But it's scary. You know, the Lord wants you to have peace, right? He wants you to have peace. And the next thing about fear is, you know, a correct fear of the Lord brings a respect and a reverence for the Lord and his words. Next thing I want to say is is that a lot of reason that people fear is because they don't read. Right? You're not going to have faith. You're not going to have love like you should if you don't read. And I don't care how long you've been saved. You could have been saved 42 years, been preaching at a church for 42 years, studying for 42 years, and you quit reading. And I will guarantee you, over time, you will end up backslidden and struggling with issues that you never even struggled with before. That's a fact. That's a fact. The light of the eye is the body, Right? The Bible says, how shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Reading God's word is a cleansing for your mind, right? Your mind is something that you have to diligently take care of. The Bible makes that clear. You have to take care of it, right? And it's, it's like, for some reason, men are like, oh, I just have a problem. Well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes there are physical problems in the body, right? Sometimes things are medical. But, you know... For me, when I was going through anxiety real bad and fear real bad, I quit going to church for a while. This was after I was saved. I quit going to church, and Pastor Robinson called me, and he said, how come you haven't been to church? And I said, man, I said, every time I go in church, I just sit there, and I sweat, and I shake, and I just I can't handle being there. It just makes me too anxious. And he says, oh, okay, well, sounds like a spiritual problem to me. And I was like, that's all he said. And I was like, hmm, is he right about that? Like, maybe he is. And then I started realizing that, yeah, it is. It's a spiritual problem. You see, people ask the Lord, they come to the Lord and they say, Lord, please take my fear away. He's not going to. He's not going to remove your fear. That's like going to him and say, Lord, please take my greed away. Please take my lust away. Please take, you name it, whatever it may be, whatever thing is that's in your flesh, the Lord will not, he's not going to take your fear away. He'll help you with it. But it's something that you got to control just like any other sin. You can't just ask for it to be removed, right? It's there. And it's there for a good reason in, if it's used in the right way. So we got to use it in the right way. you got to be thinking about that in the right way. And, you know, the Bible talks about how we ought to gird up our mind, right? Well, you're girding up your mind by memorizing Scripture, right? And that's another thing that's going to help you out a lot is memorizing verses that have to do with fear, that have to do with anxiety, that have to do with whatever your problem is. It might not be fear and anxiety. It might be something completely different. But whatever your problem is, memorize as much scripture as you possibly can on it. You see, when Jesus is being tempted by the devil, what was, he, what was he doing? He wasn't just telling the devil, well, I think. He was saying, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every time he dealt with the devil, he responded with scripture every single time. So every time you start having a thought or something starts welling up inside of you, you need to respond with scripture. I do that all the time. I'll constantly tell, whether it's the devil, the flesh, I don't I don't know what's going on sometimes, but I'll just flat out, I'll say it out loud if I have to. You know what I mean? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'll ask the Lord. Lord, help me with that. You know, I have never one time in my life pleaded the blood of Christ over my thoughts and not had them go away. A lust or something? People cut the Lord short. Plead the blood of Christ over some stuff, you know? Like there was an old preacher one time, he... He was preaching about the blood of Christ all the time. You know, if you just plead the blood of Christ over your mind, the Lord will help you. But you got to just do it. Just try it sometime. And he's preaching about it. And he had this guy come up to the pulpit and he asked him, he said, How does that work? He says, How does the blood of Christ, how does that, you know, how does that cleanse your thoughts? I don't understand. And the preacher said, Well, how does water quench your thirst? And the guy says, I don't know. He says, I don't know either, but it works. (laughs) Right? Well, amen to that. That's what I say. There's some wisdom in that. Right? Praise the Lord. There's some real wisdom in it. And, you know, we need to turn to Ephesians chapter uh, 20 and 21 here. Ephesians chapter 20 and 21. This is another big one. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, sorry. 3, 20, and 21. You guys are probably all like, where's chapter 20 at? <laughs> this guy, okay. Um, It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You need to believe that God is able even for you, right? People look and they read they read back in the Bible and they say like, Well, the Lord delivered, you know, he delivered Paul. He took care of Paul and the Lord took care of John. The Lord took care of, but what about you? Men have a hard time believing that the Lord will do it for you. The Lord loves you just as much as he loved them or that he loves anyone else. He doesn't right? the Lord's not a respecter of persons. He tells you that the Lord's not a man that he should lie. You start putting all these things together and you start realizing like God will do it for you. God will help you. And another good one, to, you know, to deal with this stuff and to overcome stuff, you know, besides memorizing scripture is, you know, prayer, of course. Right. Prayer's a big one. And that's something that men just don't do enough either. Right, You need to be praying over that thing. Like I was saying, plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your thoughts. Be praying, Lord, take this. Help help me to deal with this. You know what I mean? Take these thoughts from me. Help me to fight this thing. That's something the Lord will do. He can take thoughts from you. He might not remove the fear completely, but he can take some thoughts, and he will. If you'll trust him with it, that's what he wants to see you do. And Another thing is fasting, right? Something like the big, well, (laughs) Baptists don't like to talk about fasting, right? Like I've always been in a Baptist church, and none of them like to talk about fasting. Well, that's a big deal. Fasting's huge. Like you need to be fasting. Um, for one, fasting's a way to humble yourself before God, right? But, you know, Jesus there, they're trying to cast out a devil and they couldn't cast it out. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, "Well, huh. they said, why can't we cast it out? Lord, he said, that kind doesn't come out besides, you know, with prayer and fasting. That's it. There's power in that thing. There's reasons why some of the new versions of the Bibles that aren't King James remove fasting. Because there's power in it. Prayer and fasting together goes a long ways. So if you're struggling with something, if you're dealing with something, then you need to be praying. You need to be fasting and you need to be doing it with the right heart and diligently with faith and a heart that loves God. You need to be doing that. People say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need to fast. I can't fast. I'm hypoglycemic. Well, maybe somebody does have an issue where they can't fast, but you know, I have an issue. I have low blood sugar. Sometimes I can still fast. You can person can fast. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay. Right. Um, You know, and like there's some people that can't. Right. There's some people that have like such an issue, like they have hypoglycemia or something like that. Right. And they literally like they have to eat or take certain shots to keep their blood sugar up. That's a different thing. Right. I mean, they can deal with that between them and the Lord. But the average person can fast, Right. It's not going to kill you. You might feel like you're going to die for the first you know, day or two, but it's not going to kill you. You know, and it doesn't have to be a two day thing. Sometimes sometimes if I'm struggling with something, I'll just be like, you know what, I'm going to go eat lunch. I'll go out into my truck where I can get alone and I'll eat my lunch and I'll just, and I won't eat. I mean, I'll just fast and pray. And I just won't eat. Right? I don't have to do it in front of everybody in the office. I just go sit out there and I just pray and I fast and I ask the Lord to help me with some stuff and that'll go a long way. You don't have to fast for three weeks. Right? Right? Some people like, I fasted for 22 days. Like, I mean, good for you, but you know, I mean, if that's what the Lord wants you to do, the more power to you, but it can be short. Right? So, There's that, and then another one is to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself, right? The past is a a monster. The past will haunt you forever. Everybody's done something in their past. Everybody has a skeleton in their closet that they don't want anybody to know about. That's a fact. Everybody does. They don't talk about it, and it haunts you all the time, right? And you know what? Yeah, the the devil's right, right? We do deserve to die, right? It's like that song says, but... It's under the blood, right? You have to believe that. It is under the blood. Anything that you come to the Lord and you confess to Him is over with. It's under the blood. You're cleansed of it, it's clean. The Lord makes that really clear. Really, really clear, right? Uh, look at 1 John 1 9. <clears throat> Right. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that. Yeah. I believe it. If I'm up to something, if, I, if I've done something that I know is wrong, I'll get it right, right then and there. You know, that's the best way to keep a short account with the Lord is like the minute I do it. The minute I do something, that's you know, I say something I shouldn't or think something I shouldn't. I'll write on the spot. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I knew it was wrong before I did. I knew it was wrong while I was doing it. I knew it was wrong afterwards. It's my fault. And I'm sorry I did it. And that'll get you a long way to maintain a clear conscience. And that's the next thing I'm going to say to get over it is maintaining a clear conscience. That's huge. If you don't maintain a clear conscience, then you're going to be full of fear and anxiety and stress because you know why? Because you're going to be in this mode. Yeah, I know I could go to the Lord with that, but I haven't been doing right. and I haven't been reading. I've not been praying. I haven't been living right. And you start getting down that thought process, right? And what you need to do is you need to get rid of that thought. Just like I said before, cast that thing down. And whatever you know that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, quit doing it and start doing what you know you should be doing, right? Everybody knows it's been in church for any amount of time. It's been saved for any amount of time. It's been reading their Bible for any amount of time, what they should or shouldn't do on 99% of the stuff in life, right? It's all fairly simple. But the thing is, is that we're stubborn, right? We're stupid. We have this flesh and we're like, no, I ain't doing that. I want to do this. This is better for me. What you don't realize is that it's not. There's nothing better than doing something for the Lord, right? There's nothing worse than being held back by fear, right? Being held back by many of the other things that you could name. There's nothing worse than being held back by that and knowing it, right? Spending your whole entire life like that. You know, my mom died last Christmas on Christmas Day. And uh, she told us kids, she said, I really hope I don't die on Christmas for your guys' sake. And she was really bad off. She had cancer really bad. And, you know, we told her mom, it's okay, you know. Just you need to go home, and be with the Lord. You know, you're not going to she knew she wasn't going to make it at that point. You know, and we got to talking about it. And she said to me, she said, you know what, Jesse? She said, uh, I wish I'd done more. I wish I'd have served him. My mom got saved and she's a good woman, but she just never really got into church. Right. She did a little bit here and there. And she tried to go out and, you know, pass out tracks and do some different stuff. And she just didn't end up doing anything. And she said, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just afraid what's going to happen to me at the millennium. You know, I'm going to be, I'm not going to have anything, you know, judgment seat of Christ. I'm not going to have any rewards. And I'm just going to be sitting back there with binoculars, looking at Jesus Christ and everybody having a, a good time. That's what she said. And I said, well, I don't know about that mom. I said, you know, I think you should have done more too. But I said, you know what you can do? You can get everything right with God right now. Everything that you regret, everything that you've done, all your mistakes, get it right with him right now while you're still able to get it right with him. And she did. She got it right with him, and, and she passed away. But you know what? I don't want that to be the way that I go out. I want to go out thinking, I did what I could do, right? Just like Paul says, he ran his race. I finished my course, right? I want to go out with that attitude. Like, you know what, Lord? I did my best. You know, yeah, there were some ups and downs, and I tried and failed sometimes. But, Lord, I always got back up, and I always kept going. And I don't want to go up there and say, Lord, I was just too afraid. I was scared. And so I didn't do nothing for you. You know what I mean? To the one that's, you know, sweat and blood in the Garden of Gethsemane because he doesn't want to go to the right? He doesn't want to be separated from the Father on the cross. How am I going to explain that to him? I've never I've never resisted anything the blood. Like the Bible says, right? It talks about resisting under blood. I've never done that. Never had to. Will I ever get the opportunity to? I don't know. But I don't want fear to hold me back if I do. Right? I want to have a handle on it. I want to have control of it. Look at first Timothy one nine. This will be the last verse we go to. First Timothy one nine. First Timothy one nine says, "Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and fathers, murder, murderers of fathers, and murderers of mothers, for manslayers." And he goes. He goes on and on and on talking about that. And then uh, let's look at verse 119. He says, holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Well, it's interesting how he says that holding faith in a good conscience, right? A clean conscience through faith, which having some put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck. What does that mean? If you don't have faith, if you quit reading, if you quit doing that, and you put your faith away, you're going to make a shipwreck of your life. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say, yeah. and it'll be fast. It'll you'll be you'll, your, your whole life. You say if you're you're constantly giving into fear, and you say, "Why is my whole life upside down?" That's why, because you made a shipwreck of it. It's your fault because you gave into it too much, right? You know, some people have a predisposition to be more anxious or more nervous or more more fearful. I believe that. Um, I have four kids, right. And out of the four, one of them is like me, right. When I was a little boy, I would get so anxious. I would faint like all the time. My dad thought I died the first time I was like five years old. I got so anxious. I just fell over and he was like, Oh my goodness. Like, and I finally came to and stuff. And I did it for a long time. Like, you know, and, uh, and the funny part is, is like none of my kids did it for a long time. And then Emma, my oldest one, she started doing the same thing. She'd just get oh, my stomach hurts and she'd just crumple. Right. Take a doctor. No, she's fine. What is that? She just has a predisposition to get anxious and get worried and get worked up really fast. Well, just because you have a predisposition to it doesn't mean that you have a past and not try to control it. Right. And that's something I do want to say, because people all the time. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. You can help it. You can fight it. If I say that I cannot help it and I can't fight it, then I'm saying that God made me the wrong way. All right, Lord, you didn't mold me the right way. You're the potter, right? You didn't you molded me wrong. So that's why I can't serve you. That's not going to work. I'm not willing to say that. So we can control it and you can overcome it. And so let's pray. All right, father, we just come before you today, Lord, thankful for the answers that you give in your words, father, thankful that you, uh, Lord, give us so much in here, God, that we can use to lead our lives, Lord, and overcome our fears and our anxieties, Lord. And Those things, Lord, that plague this flesh. And, Lord, we just thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Father. I pray that it might be a blessing, Lord, to somebody that's here, Lord. I pray that it might be a help, Lord. And uh, I do love you, Lord. I do thank you, and I pray, God, that you would uh, just come down and meet with us, Lord, in this service, because we know if you don't, Lord, that nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to get done here, Lord. It's all through you. And so, Father, we do love you, we do thank you, and I do pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.